think of his grace and his mercy And oh yeah, how he loves me All I can do is thank him for blessing me He shields me from the hurt and the pain A touch from him and you will never be the same Yes, I gotta thank him for saving me I thank him for my blessings every day that I wake up. We were born into this sin, but he decided to save us. Wasn't grateful for my life, but now I thank him every night. Because without him, I'd be lost. Now the problem has been solved. I remember all the lies and all the times that I disguised. But now his greatness and his mercy was revealed until my eyes. I'm so alive, I rose up from the desert. I cannot help but give him praise. You should come along for the ride. All right, everybody, I want to thank you all for joining us again for another episode of the Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study. I am your host, Coach Chelsea, and I'm super excited to join you all again for another hour, another chance to fellowship, another chance to get it right. You all will have to excuse me for being tardy to the party this evening, had a bit of a miscommunication, and trust me, our servant leader today has been letting me know about myself, and that's fine. I'm going he's been showing me grace, but super excited to keep the month of August, the fruit of the spirit and servant leadership going. And this evening, we're going to be talking about goodness. And we have none other than servant leader, pastor and coach Anthony McKissick Sr. He is the founder of Be The Ram Global Fellowship. And he has already been tickling me today. He's going to give us a message. And y'all, I know it's going to be good because I got to get him to his dinner. I've delayed his dinner, but he's going to feed us. And then we go let him feed himself. So I thank you so much, Pastor and Coach, for just time being here, uh, for allowing God to use you, because without the willingness of us servant leaders, this thing can't keep going. So I'm going to pass the torch to you to say hello to our listeners and go ahead and give us what thus said the Lord. Oh, wow. Well, thank you. I Like you said, that was a great introduction. I am Pastor Coach Anthony McKissick, Sr., I am in uh, Palmetto, Georgia. It's a suburb of Atlanta. And I met Chelsea uh, via social media. And I was uh, excited to get this invite, you know. But whatever time we start is all good. You know, we're talking about goodness. So I can't come on here and talk about goodness and not say that it's all good. And I think that it is wonderful the way she played with those words that she said, Coach, I know you're hungry, but I need you to be a servant leader and serve us first. And somehow God's people will say, I know you're hungry, but I need you to give me, you know, take the little the, the dough and feed, you know, feed your last to us while you be hungry. But that is great. That's amazing. It, it, it's, it is what it is. And I'm excited to be on here. I don't talk long when I'm hungry. I don't talk long when I'm not hungry. So what I want to talk to you about is uh, the task that I've been put on me is about goodness. We're talking about the fruits of the spirit and the fruit that was given to me was goodness. Can I eat goodness right now? No. Do I want to eat it later? (laughs) Yes, I do. And I'm going to kind of pop some questions off to Chelsea because us being coaches and teachers and educators, you know, it's almost kind of like if you, you know, if you're, if you're interactive, if you're, uh, you know, responsive, uh, you know, it goes quicker, whether you're hungry or not, you know, and we talk about the fruits of the spirit. So I think it's just good that I'm hungry. I think it just, it goes right on there, you know, but as I said, I'm going to go through the questions that she asked me and I'm going to kind of go back and forth about my faith, 
my faith is my rock. My faith is the things that I believe in, you know, believing that God has my back, that God has positioned me and my wife and my ministry for a time like this. And if you don't have faith in this hour, you really have nothing. I mean, going through the pandemic, going through everything in education, you need some faith right now because what you have and here in the Atlanta, Georgia area, as an educator, you're dealing with high school. Now, I'm in high school, but really what we have is we have sixth graders, seventh graders, eighth graders, and ninth graders walking around. Because if you take the fact that they've been out of a school building for maybe 18 months, they don't know how to act like high schoolers act. They've been, you know, in places that they haven't been socializing properly. They've been looking at the screen. So now they're looking at you. So you, you need a lot of patience. You need a lot of the fruits of the spirit when you're dealing with these young people. I don't know if any of all who listen in, or if you're educators, if you're coaches, but you definitely need some faith. It takes faith to wake up. It takes faith to go to a job and at times be disrespected by people who don't pay their own bills. And, uh, you know, it takes a lot of faith. My faith has brought me from here to there. It has brought me out of places. It actually brought me into places. I had to have faith to open uh, up our ministry. And our bishop told, hey, you're going out. You're going to get your own church. I'm like, right, cool. When I'm 50, you know, I'm great. But then if she started talking, oh, yeah, in 2020, and we're talking about 2018, 2019. And I'm like, what you talking about? You know, what do you mean? Like, I'm good where I'm at. Like, why would I go open the church? We passed 20 churches on the way to church. They don't need us, you know. What do we need to go for? Go, you know, so people be all in my business talking about what I am or what am I not doing or where my money going and now I got to sell my truck and get something less than because of what? But anyhow, so I need faith. My faith is what I stand on. Uh, my career path, I chose to be a coach because I had a great coach. I wanted to be an architect, but I figured out I did not know enough in about 10th grade. My coach is the person that uh, Donald Stroy, I looked up to him. He was the first one to pick me. I got cut from everything in middle school. He probably looked like, how could you? You're big, you're athletic, you're strong. At the time, I was not good enough, which goes to the message that's a little bit later. But he was the first person to actually pour into me and make me feel like, hey, I had some worth. I, I was going to be good at something. So because of that, I uh, decided, hey, if I can be that, in somebody else's life, then why would I not? So that's really why I chose the career path to be a coach and an educator. I like the fact uh, how my coach went out of his way to help me get to the next level. He actually took me and about six other guys in the back of an Azuzu rodeo, and we took a 15-hour road trip to Kansas, and he gave up an opportunity. I think it was an indoor professional football tryout that – he gave that up so he can give us an opportunity. You know, 20 some years later, here I am. I have reciprocated that, that love for recruiting and helping kids go to the next level. And I think that's why I chose that. If you're in education, if you're coaching, you have to realize that you are a servant. It is not about you. And you realize that when you finally get to the top of that mountain, you know, we all want to ring and, you know, we don't realize that our, Wedding ring should really be the only ring that we are chasing. 
you know, but you get that championship ring and then you got to get another one because now you are the former state champion. And the next year, you can't walk around talking about what you did last year. Your resume is only going to be good for so long. After a while, they're like, well, what have you done for me lately? So you have to know that you need to be a servant if you are going to be in this career path. What does servant leadership look like in my life? It looks like putting others first, making sure that, one, I'm being a leader. Who am I leading? You have to understand that you are going to be a leader one way or another. I had to uh, make sure I'm, I'm talking to my athletes and I, I tell them, hey, I don't want you cussing this and that. And, and I'm leading by example. And then I realized when I was sitting in the gym one day and I heard them walking around the top of the track and they were talking with another coach and, and he was just letting them fly. They were having inappropriate conversations. And I'm like, now I see why they think I'm tripping. Because whether that coach knows it or not, he's leading those kids against what I'm saying. And in his mind, I'm just being me. I'm just talking. But we have to realize servant leadership means that whoever you're serving, you're leading. Now, it may sound bad. How can I be a leader if I'm serving? But the Bible says those who serve will come first. Those who are in the back will move to the front, front to the back. So as you're being a servant, they are coming to you to feed. They're feeding off something that you have. And whether it be information, whether it be the fact that they don't have a father at home, so they just want that attention, they're going to feed off whatever you put in front of them. And if you put, you know, meekness in front of them, yeah, if you put obedience, if you put cussing, if you put lust, if you put, hey, it's not cool to walk around with your draw showing, then they're going to say, well, the person that's feeding me says that's not cool. So it's not cool. But if I'm feeding you, here's the issue. If I'm feeding you this and it goes against your flesh, if it's not easy, I'm telling you, be respectful to the teacher that's disrespecting you. Be respectful to the coach that's disrespecting you. But then this other person say, no, pop off, let them know something. It's a lot easier to pop off and let them know something than do what I'm saying. So now I'm not only fighting against, you know, this the, the kids mentality, but now I'm fighting against another adult's mentality. And it looks like I'm the one being overbearing. So we have to be very careful that when we are talking about servant leadership, that we are leading those young people and even the adults appropriately that's around ourselves. I'm around us and ask myself in the midst of the pandemic, when I go back in the building, am I going to be a better leader for those teachers that are behind me, for the coaches that maybe they're not, they don't go to church, they don't save, they're not nothing, but they're still looking to say, when I'm ready to try that Christian thing out, then maybe I go talk to them then. Maybe, you know, I can look over there and say, and eh, they're watching us. They're watching how we act. They're really act watching how we react. That's more important than how we act, how we react. To the fruits of the spirit, what she asked me to speak on was goodness. And if you are a coach, if you are in education, the word good is thrown around so much. Uh, what are you a coach, Chelsea, or what do you go by? To my students, to my players. To your players, yes. Coach Johnson, yep. I'll say, 
Coach Johnson. So let's say if uh, <laughs> Coach Johnson has this move in from Atlanta, Georgia, and she's six foot three, guard, sophomore. What's the first question that you're going to ask that kid when you see him? Me. Okay. Yes, you. Okay. I just want to know because, you know, I didn't know if this was a broad coach or just me. I'm going to ask you what brings you to Tallahassee and Godby High School. Well, That's gonna be my my first dad, I moved with my mama because my daddy and them got divorced and I'm here. What's the next question? All right. Let's go to guidance and take a look at your transcript. I got all A's. But we're going to go to guidance. So I'm not going to take the message, but I'm with you. I'm following you. We go to guidance, and now I have all A's. Immaculate transcript. Absolutely. So then I'm going to ask you your expectations of this program and how it can make you better before you leave. Well, first of all, you, didn't he ask me if I want to be in your program? <laughs> now, that is very true. How can you assume I Amen. want to be in your program? Because, and, and that's what we do with this No, that's a true statement. We do that, we assume when somebody comes to church that they really want to be in Christ. Just because I know the God I serve, I know the benefits of it, does not mean that this sinner or this person in the world, even if they're struggling, that they want what I got. So eventually you ask them, hopefully you want to be a part of the program. They say, yes, my expectations is to win state. Eventually you're going to ask them one question that I'm trying to get to. And what is it? So maybe we just ask different in Atlanta. Maybe so. How about you go ahead and just give it to me? Are you good? Can you play basketball? At some point, you're probably going to ask this kid, can you play basketball? And, I mean, we do. How good are you? And she says, I'm good. And then what is your response? If she says that, I mean, I'm going to take her word for it. I mean, I'm not going to keep banter up. That's just me, though. So what answers you're trying to get from me, but that's great. That's great. So here, every kid that we meet says they're good. I'm good. How good are you? How good is your good? Is your good good enough to play basketball here? Or is your good good enough to win in the street? Are you even good enough to win a PE? So now I need to verify your goodness. How good are you really? And when we start talking about the fruits of the spirit, and we talk about the fruits that you should be bearing is goodness, then you want to ask yourself, are you bearing goodness? And if you are, how good is your good? Is your good good enough just to say, uh, good enough to say I, I could be their friend or is your goodness that you're displaying that's exuding from you is it so good that I want to know about your God now the thing is when I looked up the definition of good it actually said meeting the expectation of the other person of what they thought goodness is meeting the expectation of good so my expectation of good if you met it, then you like it is different. And I think that we have to always remember as, as servants and servant leaders that if we're 
talking about goodness, and, and let me get the, the other definition of it, and, and, and the biblical definition of it, and I just got a pop-up, that's not good, but it says that, uh, you know, just the New Testament translation is usefulness. So when we're talking about goodness as it refers to in Christ, how useful are you to the body of Christ? God positions you on a team if you're not a coach, if you're just a, just a regular person listening. And one of the fruits that are supposed to come out of you is goodness. How useful are you to the kingdom? If you take out goodness and replace that word with how useful are you to the kingdom? Or how much do you meet the expectation that was needed? So if we're talking about, you know, worldly, it's meeting an expectation. I need me a good post player. My opinion of a good post player, can you get me five to ten rebounds? Can you get in the way? Because we don't have any good post players. Can you just get in the way? Pace Academy, who's won state three, four years straight, their opinion of a, a good post player is Wendell Carter because that's what they had. So whether you're you're good to me, but you may not be good to them. If we're talking about now the biblical uh, definition of goodness, how useful are you to the kingdom? So when you say goodness is supposed to pour out of me, if I'm displaying the fruits of the spirit, what as I carry myself as a coach, as a teacher, as an educator, as a friend, as a, a person in the office, if I'm a truck driver, how useful am I? Do, do, do individuals see you as even a tool to be used? Or is it like, uh, I don't know. And that comes with protecting our witness. Do we have to walk around with cloaks and, you know, speaking in tongues everywhere we go and, you know, let me pray over this water. And, you know, I don't think we have to, but it, that's opinion. But if we are walking and we're being useful, if we are really being good, the question that I would ask you or whoever is listening, how good are you really? And what is the expectation put on your life? If that, are you meeting that expectation? Or is God going to have to now bring somebody else up, replace you, because you're good, just wasn't good enough. And at times, you can be useful, but if you refuse to yield to the Lord, then you, you're good. You might not be useful enough. You know, when you have conversations with your, your athletic director and they say, yeah, you're doing all this good stuff, but I need you to win some more games. You got to be good enough to keep this job. You may be good enough at that school where we don't value athletics, where the kids are, everybody's popping off all A's, like the movement that you had. But the focus is on academics. But if athletics is supposed to be the flagship of the school, then I need you to win. So, you know, in conclusion, a question that I would ask myself or anybody that's listening, how good is your good and how good are you? When you talk about goodness, the fruit of the spirit, are you a little bit good? Are you just good enough? Are you almost great? Or are you not good enough at all? 
And just because you're not good enough at all or good enough for that area, it, it almost comes to a fact of working in your calling. It's going to be easy if you're working where God calls you because he equips you for that. That goodness is just going to flow. It shouldn't be hard for you to be good. If you're in a position where it's hard for you to not cuss somebody out, you probably shouldn't be there. Or you may need to check your soul, check your heart. If every day, I don't want to go for this place, I'm going to cuss me somebody out. Oh, I don't want to be married to this husband. I don't want to be married to this wife. I don't want to, I can't stand these kids. Then maybe you're out of position. Because maybe you would be better in a better position to show the goodness of God in another field. Because that's just the way it works. I mean, it, it is what it is. So ask yourself. Am I good enough the same way we're going to ask the kid when they walk in that door? Are you good? I'm good. But how good are you really? So my final question is how good are you really? I think that's amazing. And one of the things when you ask that, I think that's so profound, is the last thing you talked about when we talked about uh, being out of position. And so often, sometimes our goodness can be removed or seeped away from us because we're out of position Mm -hmm. that we can find is as you said complaints because we're not where god has places to be so not only are you asking how good is our good you know when we're being useful as you said good equals useful can we be useful if we haven't been called in that position Mm -hmm. so some of the advice that you could give to a servant leader is about recognizing and understanding the call that's on our lives. Right. Well, I would say just start evaluating. You know, I am 38. I've been coaching for 16 years. And I'm at the point where I would rather be at home with my kids, with my wife, than to be in a gym. I love basketball. I love sports. When it comes to a point that I don't want to be, it can't be about money. It can't be about, you know, the title, the head coach. You have to really decide. And the pandemic was great for a lot of us because we got to sit back and really look at, oh, this is what what my house looks like at 4 o'clock. This is what my house looks like at 10 a.m. This is what my, like, oh, so little Johnny can, he can roll a ball or, you know, so just looking and deciding, are you going to be honest with yourself enough to say, I'm out of position because I, I don't need to be, if I'm not committed to this job and there's somebody else that can do it better, it's going to start taking a toll not only on me, my family, and those people that are being hurt by the fact that I'm out of position. It's almost like we've had players that, Transfer out. Atlanta is a big transfer place. Uh, we have 10 move-ins this year and 10 kids coming back. So I'm like, you got 20 kids. You, you know 10 of them. You don't know the other 10. And they're all good. That's a question of how good are you. However, you got kids that leave, and it's because my coach didn't want to play me at my natural position. But I'm 6'4", I'm 6'5". Six, six, I'm a point guard because James Harden is a point guard. James Harden is James Harden. So, and I had to explain to a kid, look, and I know that other coach told you, 
He's going to make you a wing. He's going to let you shoot the ball. But when he sees you shoot the ball, and when you get on the wing, it's going to hurt you more than it's going to help you. And as a servant leader, you have to be able to have conversations and be honest with yourself and others to say, you know what? If I stay in this position, it's going to hurt me more is going to help me. I said, I can put you on the wing, but if I'm supposed to be watching out for you and watching your back, I'm supposed to put you in the best position to be successful, which is in the paint because you can get a bunch of rebounds, you block shots. But when they see you dribbling the ball or getting ripped, when they see you airballing threes, you can't guard a guard. Now you are out of position. So what I would say is to check and make sure that the stuff that you're doing is not against the grain. If it's hard for you to do simple things, then you're probably out of position. And I think that is so prevalent. Um, one of the, I'm a lover of Christine Kane. Um, and she always talks about a lot of times us missing the call because we're paying attention to a totally different area code. We're paying attention to, you know, trying to be in the lights and in the spotlights, but that's not what God and, and Christ has called us to be. And so we'll miss our calling trying to go where we want self-elevation and promotion. And we wonder why we're not flourishing, but we don't recognize that we're out of position. And I think that's so amazing because if any person who has ever played a sport, not just a sport, but in anything, you, if someone shifts you immediately, I tell my kids all the time, I'm science guru, right? I'm a biologist by trade. If you move me to another department, yeah, I may, you know, finagle, I'm smart, I can figure it out, but I'm going to be out of my element for a minute. And so in ministry, in servant leadership, in sports, and whatever your ministry or your calling or what God has called you to do is, if you're not in the position, it's just like, like, as you said, we cannot be useful. You're not going to be secure. And if you can't be useful, you can't have goodness. And I think that's perfect. You know, one of the many things that and I feel why Christ gave this platform and this theme this month on the fruit of the spirit is because, you know, much like what you said, and um, all of our servant leaders over the past, you know, couple of weeks have talked about is, it's not an a la carte, you know, on Monday, we had Pastor Dennis McNulty, uh, and he basically like, it's not an a la carte, fruit of the spirit is, is, is a package deal, it is a individualistic thing you can't choose to have goodness one day and maybe today I'll be gentle and maybe I'll be kind and you know maybe I guess I'll have to go through long but you have to do them all and as a servant leader especially those that are leading a pack there are times where you're going to be tested and tried tested and tried how and what advice could you give? What could you say to us as words of encouragement to keep moving forward and pressing towards the mark of the prize, the high calling, when it's so hard because people don't understand and see the calling, right? They don't see the mission. They don't understand that you're on a mission from God and doing what he's called you to do. And they're just consistently trying to pull you back, tear you back, and it gets hard. What's some advice you can give us to continue to keep going? Well, the advice I would give you, or us, including myself, is just remember 
A, what we tell our kids and what our parents told us. When you sit at the table, you're going to eat all the food on that plate. I don't care how long you stay there, but you're going to eat them peas. You're going to eat the corn. You're not just going to eat, you know, the chicken, the fried chicken and the cornbread because it tastes good. You have to eat your whole meal because everything on that plate is going to benefit you in the end. Don't think you're going to get up from that table if the table is ministry, if the table is, you know, mentorship, even if it's silent ministry where you don't have a title, you don't have a position. But once you sit at that table, once you say, I'm a Christian, I now I, I have goodness. I can be used. I can be useful. Now you need to sit and eat all of it. Some of them is not going to taste good. Some of it won't be what you thought it was going to be. But in the end, if you stay at that table, not only will it be good for you, but you will get some dessert. Something sweet will come at the end. Keep pushing, eat all of your food, and don't get up from the table. I love that analogy. I love that analogy. I think that is so spot on just to all of it. You know, and it just it's like the the, the scripture that says all things work together. It is they're gonna feel good. It just says it's gonna work for our good. And I and I think that is amazing and something we have to remember. You know, as we start to wind this thing up, there are definitely two questions uh, for sure that I have to get out. It's almost like the enshrinement of the new servant leader to welcome them into the ranks of the servant leader family. And one of the first ones is one that if you're a a listener to the podcast frequently, you already know I'm going with this. It's something that I love to do. And other coaches and leaders told me they started doing it. But it's my God is devotion. And much like you said, everything at that table is not going to always taste good, but you're going to eat everything on that plate. One of the great things about God is, is that even in the midst of things not tasting good or feeling good, he is all things, right? And so I'll do in the midst of everything, I'll say God is, and I'll start to just proclaim everything that he's been to me, everything that he hasn't been, because I tell people all the time, that's some of the biggest blessings that he didn't grant what we asked for, right? So I call it my goddess devotion. Today, you only get one. You don't get multiple. But if I drew an imaginary God is in a blank on this imaginary screen, how would servant leader, Pastor Anthony McKissick Sr. fill that blank? God is what? On time. I'm here. You know where I'm going with this. God is on time. He ain't at 616. He's at six (laughs) o'clock. I can't stand you. (laughs) No, well, yeah, God is on time. And and he is never late. He's never early. He is always right on time. He's there not when you he may not be there when you want him, but he's there when you need him. And if you realize that God is on time, you will stop saying you know, oh, uh, if you had been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. I didn't need to be there. I actually needed him to die so I could work this miracle. Come on. So when you realize God is on time, you will stop being mad at yourself for not accomplishing what you thought you were supposed to accomplish at the time you thought you were supposed to do it. I should have been married by now. I should have my kid. Like when I was a kid, we, we had to write our, down our goals. Best thing to happen to you? Worst thing to happen. Best thing because now I have focus. Worst thing is because I didn't meet this goal when I thought I should have met it. Now I think I'm behind. 
Same thing with those student athletes. Oh, the dad, well, you should be getting D1 offers by now, or you should have scouts, or you should be scoring this amount of It's going to happen when it's going to happen. So God is on time. I love it. You know what I started thinking about? He's an on time. Right. Yes, he is. <laughs> and so, <laughs> rock my head. I can't with you. <laughs> yes, I love it. And then, of course, this is a servant leader coaches Bible study where servant leadership is truly at the front and at the core, truly trying to take God's servants that have infiltrated the sports world and giving them a platform, giving them a playbook, giving them the blueprint to what servant leadership really looks like. We always get on people and criticize that we need more servant leaders, but we sometimes have to take a step back and realize, has someone taught them? Have we shown them what that truly looks like as Christ showed, you know, us? So servant leadership takes on so many different definitions, but I'm on a mission of truly giving the truest definition, getting us ready. So if I were to ask you, pastor and servant leader, Anthony McKissick Sr., servant leadership, two words, takes on so many meanings, but to you, how would you define servant leadership? Uh, that's a deep one. I would define here. servant leadership as being okay with people knowing how far you fail and never acknowledging how how far up you went come on it's when you're a servant leader they will when you put yourself in a leadership position it's almost like they are waiting for you to fall and they're going to highlight that and they're going to leave you down there where you fail even when you get back up the story is still going to be about when you fail So servant leadership is being okay with people focusing on your failures and not your success because it's not about your success. It's about God's success because your ministry, your testimony is going to be to somebody down there. So that area that you fail in, whether it be an addiction, whether it be, uh, you know, stinking thinking depression whether it be suicidal tendencies whether it be uh you know not uh, not enough you know uh whatever it may be you know just a lower self-esteem down there where you fail is where you're going to meet and you're going to feel like oh okay now i know what this feel like so now i can identify it in somebody else and they're not going to be able to identify it in you because they're not going to see you down there People are going to highlight it, so they're going to make it authentic because there's going to be a record of when you fail. So when you say, hey, Chelsea, you know, I know what you're going through. I've been through a divorce, so you can't talk over my head. I'm telling you, I know it. If you don't believe it, ask Sister Such and Much, and they'll tell you everything that I did. But look what God is doing now. To be ever so careful not to say, look what I'm doing. Look what God is doing through me. Because any point that I take him out the equation, like a math teacher, like my wife does math, oh, it's going to bust. It's not going to equal up. It is never going to equal up. So just be okay with people seeing you at your worst, because when they see you at their your worst, they're going to see God at his best. 
Mm. Oh, come on. So you just gonna drop the mic like that for that one? You're really ready for your plate. You deserve it now. You deserve your dinner now. That was that was it. You know, I I truly think one of the most amazing things and blessings of this platform and how Christ shows himself is the servant leaders that come on here, you included. You're so humble in what you do, and you're so obedient to what he would have you to say that you give such a right time and right on time word. And so I think that's amazing. That actually is a totally new definition too. being okay with people seeing and understanding that you fall. I always call it the glory moments, showing the story moments over mm-hmm. the moments, right? We love to show people how great things were and post on social media, the good stuff, right? What about those pictures that didn't come out just right? <laughs> what about mm-hmm. things we don't post? And so it's those glory moments, right? It's those glory moments that we can celebrate, but it's those story moments that allows God to get the glory. And I think that's amazing. Come on. Glory man. moments versus story moments. I like that. Yeah. We need Write that down. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we need more people to truly be okay with, like you say, being okay with those that'll see you fall yeah and i think that will help the church community right now because we're going through a decline and a a generation that does not want to go to church and it's because of the generation of church that said pastor is perfect the first family is perfect so they spent their whole time trying to tear down that idea and when they found out the pastor wasn't perfect their whole faith went out the window, but their faith was in the pastor. Their faith was in, you know, the per- oh well, pastor's kids are perfect. No, they're not. They're just as bad as your kids. They just have a spotlight on them. So when we start showing people, even in the pulpit, being transparent to say, you're not alone. I'm looking at that woman too. I'm looking at that man too. Uh, yeah, he looked good, you know. This ain't, you know, water in my cup. This ain't tea. This is not Arnold Palmer. It's Jack Daniels or whatever it be. I fall short too. Then you start to be mm-hmm. more transparent. You start to be more reachable by mm-hmm. people. Sometimes a kid won't try out for the team because of how good the team is. Mm-hmm. They can have talent. They could be the 10th man on the roster saying, dang, they are just too good. So sometimes people won't try Christ because we've made it so far fetched that it's almost like on Pluto. Like I can't be that. Like that means you need to tell me if I be a Christian, then I can't play 2K no more. I can't go to my game. I can't hang with my friends. I gotta, you know, lose all the friends that I have from high school. So I don't even want to try it. That's exactly. Cool. That's spot on, and that's it. And if we can truly be authentic and more people can understand and see that even Jesus Christ, he, he knew where to go. Mm-hmm. In the church. Come on now. He didn't hang around with these pristine, clean and pure. All right. And if we can understand that fact coach, that is perfect. If we can be more authentic and transparent, I ain't saying tell all your business, but if mm-hmm. let some of those things that are close to the best go and show people the true Look, I fell too. 
right? I got scars too. You see that one right there? You still, if we cocoa buttered it up and God is good, but I fell too, right? And when we can do that, it does allow people to feel like Christ is not so far-fetched that I belong to, that he can save me too. That is golden, coach. Golden. You the man. Just working for him, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love it. <laughs> you sound like my God that I said, you the man. He said, no, I know the man. I said, come on here. <laughs> that's about the best. <laughs> that's it, man. I appreciate you. I really do, even in the midst of uh, you know, my time scramble. I really do appreciate you just for being willing and just for allowing God to use you, not just here on this platform, but just in your daily walk in life. I feel that, you know, the more that we can add to the ranks of this servant leader family, the more that we can continue to exhibit, right, those story moments and being authentic. It's just like you said, we make God more real. We make him more available to those that really used to believe or it was portrayed that he was so far away from them so i thank you so much just for your time today i know your stomach is probably growling so i thank you for feeding us and telling us about sitting at the table i hope that not only are you fed with whatever you choose to eat tonight but that god continues to bless you and feed you and your family and everything you touch just for being his obedient servant i pray that i receive all that stuff too you know (laughs) Eat and table and food. And he's just like, you're like playing with me here. Like, <laughs> I'm like, right, here we go. Possible. <laughs> exactly. Carrot to horse to carrot. Well, look, right. you can close us out with a prayer. We're going to let you go get your meal. All right. Well, bow your heads and close your eyes. <laughs> God, thank you for it all. Amen. I'm with it. And look, let me let me point this out. And I have to say this before I let you go. Let me point this out. One of the main things I always say that people get so afraid or detached or remove themselves from prayer is because much like you've explained from everything else, many of us have painted this picture that it has to be all of this. Mm-hmm. Last time. Yeah. He didn't yeah. There you go. And so talk about that so often. And I'm thankful to finally have someone on here that actually exhibited that. Not that the prayers be great every night, but that fact that I say that all the time, that actually happened. And I thank God for that too. I mean when you think about it, thank you. I'm being thankful for all of it. The good, the bad, to what I ain't seen to what you covered me from, to what's coming. When you thank God for it all, it's like your parents saying, like you cut, like you're a parent, your kid come, thank you for, for all of it. Thank you for the times that you didn't let me go. Thank That's you for it. the times that you gave me a whooping. And as a father who God is our father, when you are humble enough to thank him for the things you didn't want, thank him for the no and the yes. Oh, it gets powerful. Come on. Say thank you for it all. Thank you for it all. Thank you for the no and the yes. Well, Pastor and Coach Anthony McKissick Sr., we thank you for it all. And my favorite line of every call, you are now a part of the servant leader family. 
We welcome you in. We're so thankful to have you to increase the ranks and strengthen the ranks in God's platform to just upbuild the kingdom. Uh, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. If there's anything that I can ever do, all you have to do is reach out. You, you're welcome. I appreciate it. Hey, don't forget about me when you blow up. That's what <laughs> Not even close, my brother. <laughs> I love it. We thank you all for listening and we'll see you guys next time.